Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them the tools to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we have a great program because... Well, for one thing, this person is somebody who's in the same area as me. I love that. You know, this is this is always fun when I get to talk to somebody who's in close proximity. And the weird thing is we've never, never actually met. Just once again goes to show you, you never know who you're connected with online and where those connections might be. So, you know, always keep that in mind, folks. But we're going to be talking specifically today to entrepreneurs, small business owners, people who are really, you know, doing great things, but maybe struggling with how they're doing it. And, you know, and, and so before we talk in a lot of detail about that, let me welcome Dan Bowles to the program. So welcome, Dan. Thank you, Deb. Thank you so much. Great. Well, you know, let me tell po- people just a little bit about you here before we really jump into this. Okay. So, Always curious, always exploring, Dan's fascination with technology began at an early age. Now an aspiring entrepreneur, Dan is combining his fascination with technology, his expertise in marketing, and a passion for helping others as the Director of Business Development and Marketing Operations at Market Pro's Responsive Solutions, where he joined longtime friend Don Stormo, CEO, founder of Market Pro's, earlier this year. Dan's current focus is attracting top talent to add to Market Pro's core team in Atlanta so they can help more businesses get better results. In addition, Dan is streamlining systems and processes to help increase Market Pro's ability to deliver exceptional value and exceptional results for their existing clients and laying the groundwork for a nationwide licensing program that will provide infrastructure, education, and back office support for future Market Pro's across the United States. Dan is married to Amanda, and they have three kids. In his spare time, you can find Dan traversing the backcountry in his Overland Forerunner, hiking and camping, and looking for anything new to try, especially craft beer and low country cuisine. And Dan, I have to tell them more because I found this on your website. It Uh-oh. says, if Hogwarts were real, Dan would definitely belong in Hufflepuff. He's yeah. tenacious, trustworthy, loyal, and hardworking and protective. And actually, I you know, we, we kind of jest when I say that, but because of those qualities, that's why you are so good at your job. And so that's really why I wanted to mention that. So again, welcome to our program. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I, I jokingly tell people all the time, the badger is my spirit animal and uh, my alma mater, the colors are black and yellow. Um, so Hogwarts, um, if it were real, Hufflepuff absolutely makes the most sense. Right. You know, and we have so many things in common because you are a Kennesaw State grad, which is why your colors are black and gold. Gold mm-hmm. owls. I know. We, we were season ticket holders for a while. My school colors are black and gold. A little bit bigger school, University of Colorado. But, um, you know, it's funny. When I would go to, to KSU games, I just could wear my Colorado stuff. It was fun. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where, as we mentioned, you have the qualities that make you really care about working with people and helping them to be successful. And that's what I love about this. So, you know, let's just really jump in and talk about this, because as I mentioned in the start, we every small business owner that I know, you know, and, and I network several times a week with primarily small business owners we, and I'm putting myself in that category because I am a small business owner, think that we have to do it all. We, you know, we can't hire it out. We don't have the money. We don't have the the knowledge, all those various things. And part of it is somehow we get this impression that it's expected of us that we have to do it all. And, and I love this. You, in your information to me, you talk about CEOs really are chief everything officers. Yep. And so talk to us about why that's not a good thing. Well, it's, uh, it's a horrible thing because it's, it's quite literally killing them. Right. Um, uh, from, a, from a health perspective, it lacks balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
One of the interesting things about our connection is our backgrounds both include some time at a pretty large Fortune 500 that's based in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And working there for three years, a great company with some amazing people that I got the privilege of working with. Uh, But one of the things that was formative for me, uh, I was younger, uh, was the fact that it was a Dutch company and the Dutch culture of you're not indispensable, you're not irreplaceable. Right. Um, when you take time off, when you take holiday, you're going to take a minimum of an entire week at a time. We would prefer you take two whole weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. That really um, was formative for me. On top of that, I actually grew up in the home of a senior manager, uh, C-level professional in the telecom industry. And it just so happens for a good part of my childhood, he was a single father. Mm -hmm. And um, so you know, if I were a psychologist, I would say, Dan, you've got a ton of baggage. But really, at the end of the day, it's a it's a silver lining for me because it, I think, really shapes me, right. instructs me, and informs me today as a professional, mm-hmm. especially as I consult with business owners, because I see the impact personally, mm-hmm. firsthand um, in my own life, but I see the impact uh, on a secondary level in their lives. What happens? When they decide to put on that CEO hat or what I call the chief everything officer hat, um, which I think is a myth, mm-hmm. got to slow down. You've got to determine what things are category ones that you have to work on and the other things that are categories two, three and four that other people can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to be able to really use those resources and use those connections that you have to understand this is not important enough for me to work on or it's not vital enough to my business to work on or my time is more valuable elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I need somebody else that can do this task. I need somebody else that can take care of this responsibility. Um, But really what it comes down to, and and part of my heartbeat on this, is the work-life balance, Mm -hmm. the health, uh, and, and the strength of the relationships in our lives outside of our vocation, outside of work. Right. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, we're talking about the fact that as a small business CEO, we think we have to do everything and we try to do everything. Mm -hmm. And when you have a CEO or a C-level person at a large business, one of their best attributes is usually that they can delegate. Absolutely. You know, and and it's weird that we somehow have, have... you know, there's there's a disconnect between the small business CEO and the large business CEO. And a big part of it is because as a small business owner, funds are limited. But I think what so many people are missing is the fact that it often is much more beneficial and a win-win to outsource. You know, because we're not killing our own brain cells trying to figure out how to do invoicing or website coding or marketing or, you know, all those things. And then we as the business owner can focus on what it was that we have the passion for, you know, why we started our business. Absolutely. And so many business owners, especially small to medium, uh, just get so lost in the weeds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's that pithy saying out there, work on your business, not in your business. And it's mm-hmm. true. Um, but I think it kind of gets lost to the small business owner because they, they have this, this sort of perspective that tells them if you don't do it, who will? Right. And if you don't do it and nobody else does it, then the business is going to fail. Mm-hmm. Well, that may or may not be true, but really at the end of the day, uh, I think that it's a much more deep-seated issue of control. Oh, and yeah. Fear, and that, that need for control and that sense of fear, if that's what's driving the small business owner, they're ultimately – you know, it, it, in, in today's world, the, the most popular theme of movies, you know, we already kind of talked about Harry Potter. It's a very epic uh, series of movies where Harry is the hero. Uh, the Marvel movies are big right now. The Batman trilogy is coming back. The Superman and Wonder Woman, you know, everybody wants to be the hero. And some of that is because where we find our recreation, where we find our rest, those of us that enjoy going to the movies, that's where we see it. Mm-hmm. We turn on the TV and we see shows like, Walking Dead and Blacklist, and even though you may or may not like Reddington, uh, he has kind of this dark, mysterious hero sort of sense about him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
everything really that we read even is kind of geared towards be the hero. So I think it, I think it has an influence on us. I think it has an impact on culture. And as small business owners, you know, it's, it's sort of that American dream. There's a ton of pride behind it. There's sort of a pounding of the chest, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone says, yeah, I just quit my corporate job or I just quit my retail job. I'm hanging my own hat and hanging my own shingle. I'm bootstrapping it. I'm going to go do my thing. And that's something incredibly, that's something that you should absolutely be incredibly proud of. But if you become the CEO, the chief everything officer, ultimately the amount of time you spend doing everything is going to be your kryptonite. It's going to be the thing that destroys you. Right. Well, and it's funny because all of those heroes that you mentioned had a team. You know, we we wouldn't have had Harry Potter if we didn't have Hermione and Ron. You know, we wouldn't have had and and yes, I I watch um, Blacklist, so I knew who Reddington was. So he's got the FBI, which you know that's just this whole weird thing that we have good and evil there. Um, you know, Batman has Robin. All of these things. You know, virtually none of the the true heroes could do it without their team. And and you know, the same thing goes with whether you're you know. Uh, Bill Gates or, um, you know, the the founder of Zappos, all of those big companies, it's not just them. They have a team behind them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's life or death. Right. You know, and, and I do definitely agree that I think so many business owners do it. You know, I hate to say for the, the glory, but yeah, you're right. We do, you know, because we want to say I am the founder of, um, you know, and, and sometimes we're kind of forced into it. You know, I, I always, you know, love the people that, well, I had to start a small business because I got fired, um, you know, or, you know, all those things. And I think there are definitely many cases of people who got tired of having to, I'm putting this in my little air quotes, follow the rules of corporate America. Yeah. And so they wanted to start their own business. But when they do that, they, they again, they think they have to do it all. They don't know that there's other resources out there. And, you know, it's it's something that I think is probably one of the primary reasons that the majority of small businesses fail. Absolutely. You know, and, and I have what I and my listeners know that I talk about this on occasion. I have the 15 minute rule. That if it's going to take me longer than 15 minutes, I probably should outsource it. And it doesn't matter, you know, if it's not something that directly pertains to actually doing what I do, um, you know, and, and which is funny because there are things that it's uh, the control factor, as you mentioned, is big. You know, for me to have a producer of this radio program took me years Years to actually decide I had to have. And I love my producer because she does all of the work for me that is absolutely essential to the program, but was very time consuming to me. And but letting go of that control was huge to actually trust her to know that she was going to get it done. And she does. She gets it done. She's always one step ahead of me, which is even better. You know, or hiring somebody to do your books, all of those things. It's very difficult to let go of that control, especially if you've been in corporate America because somebody else was doing those things, you know, and, and it's, it is very intimidating. It is intimidating, and I love the 15-minute rule. What, what a great rule. Um, you know, it, I think not only is there that control thing and the fear thing, but some of it is a trust thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I, when I came on board Market Pros, um, you know, the, the founder of Market Pros, Don, is a, is a longtime friend of mine. We've mm-hmm. we've talked off again and on again about you know maybe going into business together at some point. Um, I was I was there when Market Pros was conceived, and it was a big moment. It was a celebratory moment, um, and it just kind of everything fell into place for it to happen this year. Mm-hmm. But part of part of why I'm here and part of my role, um, and, and, and it's been not without its ups and downs, but part of why I'm here, my role is really to help market pros mm-hmm. transition from that uh, almost sort of freelance mentality mm-hmm. to a uh, much more scalable business model. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the bumps in the road that we've experienced, have a, a lot of them have been the exact same bumps and fears uh, and issues that many of our clients that are small businesses experience. And that mm-hmm. is... You know, 
Don really, he, he used some independent contractors here and there where he needed to, and he certainly had people that he used as vendors to do things. Um, but otherwise, Market Pros has been kind of a one-man company. Mm-hmm. Now there's three of us on the team. We just hired a, uh, an experience manager, a community experience manager, who's doing a phenomenal job. Her name is Sarah. Uh, and Don's focused a lot more on the creative and the production side of things. I'm focused a lot more on the operations and marketing side of things. Mm-hmm. As we begin to build this company and, and scale towards this national licensing program that we want to roll out, um, we've run into those exact same challenges. And mm-hmm. it's letting go of the tasks that you've done uh, to let someone else do them. And it's a lot of times I've realized not only – here, but in other uh, roles that I've had and other consulting uh, relationships I've had, there's sometimes a, an issue of trust mm-hmm. allowing someone else to do something that, you know, you may view as, well, if they mess up the books and I get thrown in court because of embezzlement or something, you know, or <laughs> if, if I give up the business development function of my company to somebody else and they don't bring it in, I'm toast. You right. know, it, it's, there's a, there's a huge amount of trust required to do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to know a little bit more about what you do as you begin to bring people into your team to build that bridge of trust. Well, you know, it's, it is just difficult because, you know, I do get caught up in that trust thing. You know, I'm, I tell people I'm an only child. Um, you know, I don't share well, you know, all these various things and, and I am type A. So when you add all of that together, which is a lot of times what, a, you know, somebody who is, is launching a small business, you know, that tends to be a lot of those personality traits. Yes. Yep. So for me to give up that trust, it's, you know, and, or not give up that trust to develop that trust is difficult because it is, it's my business, it's my name. So what if it gets screwed up? Well, of course, one of the first things you have to stop and think about is usually you can fix it. <laughs> you know, the, very rarely is something going to get screwed up so bad that you can't fix it. But the what you need to also be doing is having kind of that oversight. You know, you're not turning over the books to someone and never looking at it. You know, you need to review things, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, especially at the start when you're developing the, the initial business relationship with them, you know, you just kind of need to, to double check those things. One of the things, though, that, that you have to initially do is really develop a job description, you know, for lack of a better word, so that both parties know what's expected. Um, so, for example, with my producer for uh, this program, I said, okay, it's going to be, you know, based on my historical having to, to do all of this for years, a couple hours a week. You know, I want you to do this and this and this and this. Um, you know, and, and so it wasn't just, hey, I'm turning this over to you. I was very clear as to what I wanted her to do. And then, of course, I wanted feedback from her where she could see other areas where she could do something differently. And of course, that's the key is different. You know, different is okay. You kind of have to let go of the, you know, but it it can only be done my way type of of mentality. Right. And then checking in, you know, we typically, we obviously do a lot of communication on email, but we have uh, Skype calls between us and, you know, some things like that. And I did interview. Um, Now, my producer, I got off of, she's a a virtual assistant, and I got her from a website called HireMyMom.com. And I just love that. I think that's the, the coolest thing. And I, you know, so I posted the job description there and I interviewed, oh gosh, I interviewed probably 10 different people who were interested in the position. But, you know, it was, and it was, you know, establishing what the, the rate of pay would be, all those various things. So going into it with very clear goals and job description, I think is one of the biggest things because otherwise it's not going to be successful. You know, somebody's going to overbill, underperform, you know, all those various things. Uh, you know, we wouldn't go to a car mechanic and say, fix it and not tell him what it was, um, you know, or a doctor. Well, you know, doctor, I kind of feel blah. You got to give more or they're not going to be able to figure out what's going on. Absolutely. And, and you know, that trust issue is so big. Mm-hmm. And I was actually listening earlier this week to um, a different broadcast of yours. Mm-hmm. And Jessica was on and she was talking about that very issue. And I think she hit the nail on the proverbial head. She was talking about. Um, someone that she has that cleans her office, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we have to be willing to, A, let someone do it a different way than we do it, and right. B, uh, understand that if they can do it 80% as well as us mm-hmm. or better, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she talked about how they don't necessarily clean things the way she would have it done or uh, always to her liking, but she knows that person and loves that person's personality and that person knows what she expects mm-hmm. and she trusts her. She's incredibly mm-hmm. trustworthy. And that's a, that's a big piece of the puzzle. And there's a couple of things I usually uh, consult my clients or advise my clients to do to help with that. Um, one thing that I'm kind of known for saying is inspect what you expect. Ah. So if you don't, if you don't have that job description, you can't inspect anything. You can't mm-hmm. measure anything. So the job description is absolutely huge. And I think where a lot of people get stuck in job descriptions is they think they become these concrete, permanent documents. Right. And they're not. They're, they're mm-hmm. completely adaptable. Absolutely have a 90-day review with a new employee and say, hey, let's check in and do some 360. Uh, what do you think? And let me tell you what I think and what's good, what's bad, what's ugly, what do we need to change, what do we need to adapt? Mm-hmm. It's not a performance evaluation so much as it is a 90-day check-in and adjustment. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage that along with sort of the idea of inspect what you expect. Um, I also am a huge believer and and promoter of the idea of I don't care how small or how large your business is. If it's one person, if it's 1,000 employees, you need a board of advisors. Right. And those board of advisors, they need to be completely independent of the business, not employees, Mm -hmm. not trustees, not officers, just, you know, a board of advisors that when you need to make major decisions about your business, you meet with them and you share with them what's on your heart and your mind as a business owner and they give you counsel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I happen to be uh, a believer, a Christian, and uh, scripture actually instructs us, mm-hmm. always seek wise counsel. Right. So that's kind of where that belief is rooted. But you know, even for the solopreneur that's a one-man show, I think you need at least a three-person board of advisors. And I like mm-hmm. the number three. I stick with the multiple of three. So I always tell people, you know, when you put a board of advisors together, it needs to be three, six, nine, or 12. No more than 12, because once you get to that point, you've got a gigantic board of advisors. It's going to become a cumbersome encumbrance to your business, probably. Uh, and that's really more for the larger, medium to uh, enterprise level businesses that need mm-hmm. that big of a board. Most three to six is fine. Uh, but you know, inspect what you expect and get wise counsel always. Well, and it comes back to what we were saying at the start. We're not alone. Um, You know, and, and, and if, you know, for your board of advisors, maybe it's that you treat them to dinner, you know, once a quarter or, you know, whatever, because as you said, you know, they're, they should not be, you know, they shouldn't have a, a, any skin in the game um, because you want their unbiased opinion, but you know, you, you do want to show your gratitude. And, and so, um, you know, and, but we're not alone, you know, find somebody who can help you, you know, maybe they've lived through what you're going through. Um, you know, you might not want to pick somebody in the same industry because, you know, the, depending on where you are, you could, you could be direct competitors, but that obviously depends on what you do and your relationship to them. Um, you know, but yeah, we, we get this stuck in our head that we have to go it alone as an, as solopreneur. And I think that word might be what kind of gets a lot of people caught is that word solo, yep. you know, or, or small business owner, you know, we're so small we can, and I don't care what the business is. You know, you're a landscaper, you're a, you know, you own a uh, service company, um, you know, like you and I do, you know, all these various things, we still need help, you know, and, and sometimes asking for help is one of the absolute hardest things to do, but when you do it right, it's the most liberating. It absolutely is. So let's talk a little bit more about asking for help, um, because, you know, it's, I've mentioned the fact that I have a VA, and um, actually I have two VAs, virtual assistants, that, that do a variety of things for me. You know, I outsource having my taxes done, um, you know, all of these various things, but I want to talk about what you guys do. So tell us a little bit about Market Pros Responsive Solutions and, and what you provide. Okay. Well, Market Pros is, <clears throat> you know, in 2006 when it was founded, it was really started off as a web design uh, freelance company. Mm-hmm. And that evolved over time uh, as the company 
<clears throat> excuse me, I have a frog in my throat this morning. As the company grew and as our results began to really uh, come back tenfold for a lot of our clients, the referrals began to flood in. Um, and it's been a tremendous ride for this company since then. But we have evolved uh, from we're, we're in what I would now say is Market Pros 2.0. And we're beginning the transition to what I would call Market Pros 3.0. Mm-hmm. Um, 2.0, we've, we've become a uh, marketing as a service company. And what I mean by that is especially small businesses. Our market is small to medium-sized businesses. Um, you know, it, it, it's incredibly important if you don't really truly have the expertise and the knowledge, if you don't really truly have the resources and the skill set to market your business, I think it's important to A, own that, mm-hmm. uh, and B, find a company like Market Pros that does. Right. And that's really our specialty is coming alongside as an extension of those businesses helping them navigate the decisions and the strategies and the resources that are out there that mm-hmm. make the most sense in order to effectively market their business and get results. Right. So that's what we do. We, we you know, it, it encompasses everything from web design to digital media and marketing uh, to branding strategy, communication strategy, email strategy, uh, anything and everything that really encompasses what it takes to market your company um, and this is really the, the, the bulk of my conversations in the past six months have been kind of centered on this idea that um, what really complicates this now is marketing is no longer a philosophical uh, business development conversation. Marketing mm-hmm. is now a technology conversation. Right. So explain that because that, that is where I think so many business owners – either don't understand, you know, they don't even grasp that concept, or when they start to think about it, their eyes cross and smoke comes out their ears and they go, eh, and that's it. So tell us, what the heck does this mean? It's, it's overwhelming, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's the rapid development that we've seen in the past five years in technology, specifically cloud-based technology or, or software as a service, some people refer to that, uh, is, is, it's neck breaking. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how fast things have been developed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the phrase rapid development is slow. <laughs> so it, it's just kind of crazy. And what's really kind of come to come to pass is business owners now stand on the sidewalk of their business dizzy with that deer in headlights look in their face going, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I've got. Right. I've got to take care of my property and, and signage and uh, my print media, and I've got to I've got to have a website, and apparently now it's got to be this finangled, crazy thing called responsive. Uh, I've got to have a Facebook. I've got to have Snapchat. I've got to have Instagram, and it begins to overwhelm them. Right, and their I, little heads just exploded. Absolutely, and what I tell them is you don't have to have any of that. You don't have to have any of that. Right. And you certainly don't have to have it all at once. Exactly. So then that begins kind of a conversation because, you know, usually when I say you don't have to have any of that, they look at me and they're like, wait, you're a digital marketer. Mm-hmm. You just put yourself out of business. Right. Well, no, I didn't. Uh, I'm really a brand strategist that happens to be very good at digital marketing. Mm-hmm. So let's dial it back for a second and let's talk brand strategy. And so then I kind of had that conversation of, you know, you need to know what your brand is really about. What did, what got you into this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the greatest gifts I ever got, this is so silly, but this goes back to my ING days, uh, and this is sort of a hat tip to an old friend, Ashley Agard, who uh, was my boss at ING. One year for my birthday, she gave me a book, and the title of the book is Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. Mm-hmm. I read that book. I consumed that book again and again and again and again. And I've lent it out so many times because I really believe the purpose and the message of that book is spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, now somebody has it. I don't know where it is. I need to get back. But um, <laughs> if, it, if you're listening, give it back. Yeah, if you're listening, please give me my book back because um, I can't find another copy. But you know, I, that's really what I get at with, with business owners that I consult with is why did you get in this business to begin with? Mm-hmm. Apparently, you loved this business at some point. And a lot of times what I find is by the time they reach out to me, they no longer love it. 
Right, because it, 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 it's become drudgery. It's become a burden. And, mm-hmm. and their spouse, uh, if they're married, uh, is begrudging it. Their children mm-hmm. are begrudging it. They are begrudging it because they, they long to spend time with their family and, and their right. friends. So, <clears throat> and this is what makes this marketing has become a technology conversation actually so good. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that marketing is now a technology conversation is actually a tremendous, I think, silver lining for small businesses, especially mm-hmm. if you work with a company like Market Pros that knows how to leverage marketing and technology in such a way that it saves you time, it creates efficiencies, and it's effective. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are beginning to hear the, the, the word MarTech. It's kind of a buzzword in the marketing and tech industries right now. But MarTech is simply the combination of marketing technology, uh, you know, tools like uh, artificial intelligence and robots that are being used, especially if, if some people out there have noticed there are bots. There's some AI involved with Facebook and Facebook Messenger now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that are beginning to be developed by Facebook, Google, and uh, many other third-party vendors out there that are helping businesses automate certain functions. Um you know, Infusionsoft has been around for quite some time. I jokingly refer to them sometimes as Confusionsoft because most small to medium businesses that have used Infusionsoft, um, that's really kind of what they call it. And I think Infusionsoft is a phenomenal product. I highly recommend it. Um, I don't get paid to say that. I just know what it is and I know what it's capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> there are other tools out there that are very similar uh, that we recommend as well, uh, things like ConvertKit and Autopilot that have the ability to really help business owners narrow down what's called the customer journey. Right. You know, and knowing where customers, potential customers, leads, referrals, knowing where they all come from. Uh, And, you know, this is old school sales pipeline management, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's now part of marketing speak and it's now part of tech speak. Right. It's even becoming part of um, financial services speak. Mm-hmm. It's all really converging into one conversation, and it's this is where Martech comes from. But your pipeline is kind of like a funnel, and you got to know all the inputs. And as that funnel gets smaller and smaller and smaller, that's what's called the customer journey. And you need to know, really, uh, and there's a lot of ways to find out this information. Quite frankly, Google and Facebook have created a gold mine of data for us right that if we're not taking advantage of well we're destined to fail so mm-hmm. um, that's where market pros um, you know as a marketing as a service company that's where we really shine and add value to our clients as a service provider is helping them understand that data make data-driven decisions be agile enough to uh, adjust <clears throat> when needed um, and and really Take a deep breath and relax and know that Market Pros is an extension of their business and that we're vested. You know, we don't look at ourselves as a third-party vendor and we're going to collect our check and do our job. It's really we're vested in each and every one of our clients' success because if we don't help them succeed and grow their bottom line, we don't provide them a return on their investment through the value-added service that we provide, what's going to happen? They're going to drop us just like that. Right. And then they'll tell everybody about it, too. Well, there's that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, if, if we don't actually increase our bottom line for our clients, um, that means ultimately we're going to lose that client because the revenue's gone. Right. The budget's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's really kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the finance side of things. But the the creative side, the the right brain side of everything is really, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. I mean, there's, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of joy that comes out of having a meeting with a client and saying, oh my gosh, check this out. Um, your traffic has almost doubled in the past 60 days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did some A-B testing and uh, check out this campaign that we did and here's the results that it got. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I know all about it because clients have been mentioning it left and right and that one ad on Facebook was crazy, and I can't believe 5,000 people liked it. And, you know, it, it becomes fun because it, there is a tangible result, and right. uh, the business owners love it. And 
I love seeing their faces relax. I love seeing that sort of sense of, ah, happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, marketing and technology, they're really converging. I think in some of the larger companies, the Fortune 5000 companies, enterprise-level companies, um, I think this year and next year, there's going to be a lot of shakeup and disruption. I think CMOs and CIOs, their roles are beginning to really um, sort of blur and blend together. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I've heard of a couple companies that are now creating hybrid C-level positions, uh, basically a chief marketing technology officer. Mm-hmm. Um so it'll be really interesting to see kind of how that plays out on that level, but on the small business level, and if you're a small business owner or a, or a middle market business owner, um, you don't necessarily have the ability to hire a fully fledged out C-suite, and that's where you know outsourcing, like you mentioned, um, really drives value and it helps you keep your costs down. Right. Let's talk about one of the things that you mentioned, because I want to delve more into it, because I think it is something that at least based on my experience, and some of it is <clears throat> personal experience, we don't look at the analytics. You know, and, and you mentioned Facebook and Google both, you know, have free, hello folks, free Absolutely. tools. Absolutely, 100% that, free. Oh, and, and they, you know, and, and it's not click here to subscribe to get more detailed information. No, you know, they, they give you all of this information. So talk about why analytics truly is something that every person, and again, I don't care if you're a landscaper, you know, service provider, whatever, why are analytics absolutely so important? And, you know, if you're, if you're doing it all by yourself, what, you know, what should you be looking for? And again, why should you be doing analytics? Well, you know, it's kind of simple. Um, <clears throat> one of my other favorite books is Everything I Need to Know About Life I Learned in Kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that learned well, to count. <laughs> yeah, I think that principle applies here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would, you would, if you were a landscaper, for example, you would never um, go to a big box retailer, buy a lawnmower, um, put it in the back of your truck, and then all of a sudden go out and start cutting lawns without first maybe doing at least a little bit of diligence mm-hmm. on, you know, well, what's the best lawnmower uh, for the price? And, right. um, you know, where, what, what geographic area should I target? And, um, you know, what should I price my services at? Mm-hmm. Some things that you kind of have to think through. In addition to that, it would really be good if you kind of had a background in some sort of education when it comes to botany or landscaping. Mm-hmm. Right, because you know, if I hire a landscaper, I want to know that they're not going to kill my grass. Right. Um, brown grass is not really pretty to look at, right? So, no. Um, the analytics really falls into understanding and getting the knowledge you need to make decisions. So, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in data-driven decision making. I'm a big believer in being agile, and if you don't make informed, data-driven decisions. As far as I'm concerned, you're you're operating with a blindfold on. Right. So, you know, if you if you let's say you do a marketing campaign and you want to really kind of target um, stay at home moms and um, particularly stay at home moms that live in the Atlanta area mm-hmm. um, who drive a Mercedes, a BMW or a Lexus. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you going to find them? Hopefully you're not just guessing. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of those analytics, what's so great about those analytics, and um, especially when they're paired with uh, testing, A-B testing and the like, you can really begin to sort of test and learn. Um, and you can say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create an ad that I think will appeal to this particular demographic, but I'm also going to create a second ad uh, or have someone else on my team, which is even better, create a second ad mm-hmm. that they think will appeal to that market. And mm-hmm. we're going to roll them both out at the same time, and we're going to see which one actually gets some traction. Right. And you use the analytics, you use that data to constantly measure and, again, inspect what you expect. If you mm-hmm. expect that demographic to respond and they don't, without that data, how are you going to know? 
Right. And, and then you need to delve deeper. Was it, you know, say a Facebook ad, was it a bad image? Did you not have your demographics right? All these various things. It's not just, ooh, that didn't work. Let's go on to the next thing, which is what, what most people tend to do. Well, that didn't work. Let's try something different. It's like, no, you might have been really close to it working. You just needed to fine tune it. Exactly. And, and one of the things that um, is becoming pretty popular, uh, I wouldn't say that it's gotten a lot of traction yet, but I think that it will, uh, particularly in retail. So business to consumer, retail, small business, main street companies that uh, mm -hmm. are really, you know, mom and pops, they're a little bit above and beyond putting food on the table, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, they have some marketing budget and they have some extra time. They've kind of figured out what they're good at. They just really want to put a little gasoline on the fire, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, it goes back to the idea of, of the board of advisors I mentioned earlier. Um, I think you also ought to have some focus panels. Right. So if I'm a, a hair salon in Chicago, um, <clears throat> for example, we happen to have a wonderful client in Chicago that is a hair salon that does amazing work. Um, you know, they may, on a quarterly basis, bring in five to eight of their clients, of their mm -hmm. regular clients that they see on a regular basis that they know uh, and that know them. And say, we want to sit down and treat you to breakfast uh, and, you know, do your hair, makeup, whatever. Um, but we want to kind of pitch some ideas your way mm -hmm. and get your feedback. So that's, again, that test-driven decision-making, that data-driven decision-making, being agile, uh, using data to instruct the decisions you make as a business. Um, you know, analytics is a piece of it. It's not the end-all, be-all. And, and one of the things I will say, uh, and I think this is really the biggest barrier to companies using Facebook and Google Analytics, even though it's free, is it can be overwhelming. It can be confusing. Uh, and if, if that's the case, then a company like Market Pros is your greatest ally because we know how to use it. Mm -hmm. We know how to use it to your advantage. So, um, But using that information and using that data to sort of pilot and, and split test uh, what's working, what's not going to work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've used this for 20 years, um, and it's amazing the number of times I thought I had a brilliant idea. Um, and then I run it by a few folks, and they look at me like, what are you smoking? Right. That's the dumbest yeah, idea I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those deals where I quite probably – mitigated a complete and utter disaster because I at least ran it by some folks and they looked at me and said, no, that's a bad idea. Right. You know, and, and this comes back to kind of that control thing because, you know, you were thinking, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing, I, you know, greatest idea ever. And then they shot it down and you got to swallow your pride. I mean, you know, to, to, to admit, oh, okay, you know, bad idea. That takes a lot, you know, because yeah, you know, we thought it was the greatest thing in the world, and they're like, <laughs> yep, yep. Well, and it's interesting because sometimes, you know, what we think is, you know, as as we were saying, what we think will work doesn't, um, you know, and 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 you know, delving deep into to statistics and even just some common sense things. Um, you know, it doesn't always come easy for folks. I remember many, many <clears throat> years ago, <laughs> I worked for a nonprofit in uh, Denver, and we had a, an ad, a television ad. We were working with one of the big stations out there who was going to sponsor this ad for us, and it targeted new mothers. Mm. And so the station, because they believed in us and supported us so much, they said, oh my gosh, we want to run this during our newscast. Because, you know, they're thinking that's when they're going to get, you know, the most viewers. Well, yeah, except that wasn't when a new mom was probably going to be watching. And so I had them run it after midnight, which they just thought was nuts. And, and you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not a new mom. So, you know, and, and certainly wasn't then. So I don't know how I even thought of this. But my philosophy was during the day when the news is on, they have 900 million things that they're doing. But when... You know, it's two o'clock in the morning and they're up nursing the baby and they're the only one and they're watching TV. That's when to run the ad, run the, the ad. And it really was a very successful campaign because people were up watching TV at three o'clock in the morning. Brilliant. 
So, you know, let's let's kind of go backwards a little bit. What are you know, you you you've in in some of your information you talk about tiers 1 through 3. What the heck is that? <laughs> okay. So, I've mentioned that Market Pros is a marketing as a service company. And really what uh-huh. that means is uh, we have clients that <clears throat> pay us a monthly retainer. Right. And I'm looking on your website, which, folks, is marketprosecloud.com. Oh, thank you. Um, they, they basically pay us a monthly retainer to outsource their marketing to us. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't fully I – don't, I don't like the phrase outsource because it's not really quite what we do. Right. And as you mentioned, you're part of the team. Right. Outsource so, sometimes is like that person is over there all by themselves. So I've, I've kind of played with, it hasn't really caught on yet, but I've kind of played with this this vocabulary of what they actually do is they insource us ah. uh, into their company uh, mm-hmm. as their marketing department. Mm-hmm. And so the service we provide essentially is they just brought in their own in-house marketing company. Right. Um, so they pay us a monthly retainer. Um, we have three sort of pre-packaged retainers, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. tier one, two, and three. Right. Um, tier one is $897 a month. Mm-hmm. Tier two is $1,497 a month. Tier three is $1,997 a month. So mm-hmm. for the small business owner, those are incredibly affordable. Right. Um, if you go to some of the big house digital agencies out there, they won't even talk to you until you're talking about $10,000 for a project or $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are just out of reach, and we've priced ourselves this way strategically on purpose. Uh, and one of the things that actually allows us to do this is we are a 100% dispersed company, so we don't have uh, a building to pay for. We don't have rent. Uh, mm-hmm. And really that's because we're very mobile in what we do, and we believe in mobile, and mobile is important to small business right now, and that's part mm-hmm. of the marketing technology conversation. If you're not mobile, you're going to die. Right. Um, so we kind of believe if we're going to promote mobile and – be agile, we might as well be mobile and agile, right? And that helps keep our costs low. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do with that, there's a bunch of stuff that actually is included in those retainers. Every single one of them is customizable. So if there's things they want to add or subtract, whatever, um, every single one of them is a case-by-case basis. We just have these three tiers, really, to create a starting point for a conversation. We have plenty of customers that actually say, I want that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so tier one, eight ninety seven a month, it includes 10 hours of um, support and $150 in ad spend every month. Cool. And then above and beyond that, we can always add to that. Um, not a problem. Um, <clears throat> $14.97 a month includes 20 hours of support, $300 a month in ad spend that we manage on your behalf. $19.97 a month includes 30 hours of support uh, and $450 worth of ad spend that we manage on your behalf. So um, you know, we have some companies that say, "Hey, I want the nineteen ninety seven a month, um, but I'd also like to increase my ad spend to fifteen hundred a month because I know that I have to do that in my industry." Right, and you know, maybe it's seasonal, so they need to increase it during the summer, the winter, whatever. Absolutely, and the hourly support is really, um, you know, it can be anything from updates to the website, adding products to the store, uh, graphic design, uh, troubleshooting, email. Um, you name it. I mean, really anything and everything that uh, a marketing technology as a service company would do, mm-hmm. it's included in that support. So right. um, we have one client that's kind of really fun um, that does a very high profile car show in Atlanta every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we provide some on-site support as part of that package for them. Uh, really cool and fun client to work with, especially as a car guy myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have another one that is a, an auctioneer. And so um, they have a, a monthly retainer with us that includes a ton of updates to their website, a ton of marketing. Um, but then on a quarterly basis, they also double their retainer mm-hmm. um, so that we can actually be on site for their quarterly auction and, and help support that, which requires some updates to the store and inventory as that auction occurs. So mm-hmm. it's, it's flexible, but at the same time, you know, we know sometimes you just need um, a box of chocolates. Right. You know, and, and I know that there are some small business owners that, that just gasped at the price because they were thinking, oh, my gosh. But honestly, folks, think about what your time is valued at. You know, what do you charge per hour? And, you know, and then think, okay, if I had to spend 10 hours a month updating my website 
and doing, you know, this, that, and everything else, you more than can pay for outsourcing or insourcing, as you called it, because, you know, it, it is about the best use of your time, um, you know, and, and it, so, yes, it is hard to let go of that control of that money, you know, let's just be honest with this, but if you really want to be successful, it, it is about delegating and making sure that the best work gets done because, you know, it, website maintenance, you know, most, you know, many, the majority, I think, of websites now, for the most part, are on WordPress. And, you know, we all know probably enough that we can be dangerous, we can break our own websites, and then, you know, all those various things. But, you know, it, it is something, I, I enjoy working on my website. It is a horrible use of my time because I'm not doing what I really should be doing with it. Um, you know, and, and so all I have to do is figure out, okay, if I was tinkering this month and I spent 10 hours and I really should have been doing this, oh my gosh, I lost money. Um, you know, and, and so that's where it really does pay to consider having somebody else do it for you. Absolutely. And, you know, what's great is uh, I know it sounds expensive, but that tier three that's $19.97 a month, Mm-hmm. It's a little bit less than $24,000 on an annual basis. And right. in the Atlanta, I, I'm going to refer to Atlanta and Chicago a lot because that's where our two primary markets are right now. Mm-hmm. We are expanding into a few other uh, markets. But I know that in the Atlanta and Chicago markets, the average cost of a full-time, one full-time employee that does all of what we do mm-hmm. is thirty-two to $36,000 a year. Right. So – to get what we do as a team um, for less than the cost of one employee that might be out sick, that goes on vacation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we might be out sick. We might go out on vacation too. But because there's a team of us, we're not all gone at the same time. Right. Um, and we're constantly working on stuff for our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that the 36000 is an entry-level employee. Whereas you guys are much more experienced and, you know, and, and, and we cut, we, you know, we keep talking about market pros, but really look at that folks with any company that you're outsourcing to, you know, if you can hire it, you know, is it, you know, what is the benefits, you know, are you going to be able to bring it in house, but is that just, you know, somebody who's fresh out of college or can you have somebody who's really skilled do it and, and outsource it? Absolutely. And it's really, you, you brought up the experience and the expertise. Um, it's because of that that we, we, we have a challenge on our hands. One of my biggest focuses right now is actually adding to our core team. Mm-hmm. And it's like finding a needle in a haystack to find someone right. that, that stacks up to the bar that we've set for mm-hmm. our clients uh, and meets the service level that we demand mm-hmm. uh, from our team for our clients. Um, you know, there's a lot of entry level designers and developers out there, and that's not what we're really looking for. We're looking for, you know, uh, a team uh, players that are going to really be able to produce what we've been producing so far, uh, which is a tremendous return on investment for our clients. Um, because right now we have a good solid six to eight week lead time uh, before we can start on anything new, which Mm-hmm. Um, I would really like to get that back down to one to two weeks because, right. um, you know, I, there's nothing I hate more, quite frankly, than looking at a, a client that just signed a service level agreement with us and saying, hey, thank you so much. We're really excited about this. We can't wait to do business together, but it's going to be six weeks before we can even start. Right. Because then they're going to go, oh, my gosh, but I need it now. Right. And, and I get that. And some of that is the drive through culture that we've created. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that goes completely against everything I stand for, really. You know, the, the CEOs, chief everything officers, I got to have it now. I got to have it now. I, I, I really think we need to have a much broader conversation at some point about stepping back and understanding the value of our time and where we spend our time. Um, not everything has to be done right now. Uh, right. You know, Zig Ziglar and Dale Carnegie are, are two of my um, heroes. And, and Dale Carnegie in particular talks about, um, you know, Priority one and category one or matrix one, you know, urgent versus important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think it's really important for us to understand that. Um, But at the same time, I recognize as a service provider, it's awful for me to say to someone, it's going to be six weeks. So we're working on that. Um, But that has everything to do with the fact that we've done 
the job that we have for our clients and our mm-hmm. we're not really out there soliciting business it's coming in through word of mouth referrals because our clients are raving about us right well and the cool thing is that that you and Don have such good connections at Kennesaw State and then Chattahoochee Tech because you know that's going to be a great source hopefully of of potential folks for you absolutely uh, and then of course Atlanta is becoming one of the nation's top talent pools for tech right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta Tech Village, uh, Buckhead, even uh, Little Five Points. There's just so much happening. Um, the Switchyard. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a hotbed for marketing and technology right now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if somebody's not in Atlanta and they're interested in talking with you about becoming a potential employee, how would they reach you? Um, shoot me an email, dan at marketprocloud.com. Cool, cool. Well, Dan, we've got just a couple minutes left. So what is one challenge that you see coming up that we all are probably going to have to deal with? Mm, Disruption. It is coming. Uh, Mm. I I see. uh Uh-oh. Oh, one ringy dingy. Oh, (laughs) I love it. Don't you love it when things happen? Yeah. Oh, I know what that is. That's the middle school calling a tattletale on my 12-year-old who's not at school today. Ah. It's the uh, last day of school, so he's playing hooky. Um, it's a half day. There's no point in even going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm such a great parent. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I think one of the things I see happening in our economy, and there, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting season as an economy right now, but one of the things I see happening, sort of the fallout of the 90s and early 2000s and the growth of big business and Wall Street um, is sort of this redaction or this retraction even back to Main Street, which I am a huge fan of. I mm-hmm. love Main Street. I love seeing Small Town USA coming back and roaring again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where I live, um, the Ackworth, Kennesaw area, both Ackworth, Kennesaw, downtown Woodstock, they're thriving little communities. Uh, Marietta as well. I mean, it's just fantastic. And it's great to see that come back. But Here's the disruption and the impact I think it's going to have, and it's really going to be big for small business owners, is we're returning to a more specialized and more freelance-based economy again. Mm-hmm. So rather than the, um, the big boxes are always going to be there, I think, but rather than that being the destination of choice for most of our services and products that we go and uh, buy, people are beginning to realize the value of the freelancer, the value right. of you know the the small business, and mm-hmm. people are preferring to actually do business with small business. Mm-hmm. Um, what that's going to need to mean for a lot of us is know what's important for you to do as the business owner, and know what's not important for you as the business owner to do. And if it's not important for you, and you can insource it from another, um, you know, business partner, vendor, contractor, whatever. Uh, like you with virtual assistants, if it's something that somebody else can do good enough or as good as you or even better than you mm-hmm. and cheaper, do it. Do it. Yes. Do it. Because if you don't, you're going to get left behind because your competitors, they're going to, their cost of doing business is going to go down and yours is going to stay flat, if not mm-hmm. go up. Right. Well, Dan, this has been absolutely wonderful. Um, and, you know, I, I hope it's given small business owners a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe would be a, a way to do to, to think about this. But one last time, how do folks find you online and connect with you? Awesome. They can find Market Pros at marketprosecloud.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-P-R-O-S-C-L-O-U-D.com. Uh, they can call me. My number is 404-384-7756. Uh, and if you're interested in becoming part of the Market Pros team, I would love to talk to you. Shoot me your portfolio uh, along with your resume uh, in an email to dan at marketprosecloud.com. Uh, and also, not just employees, but if you are a creative professional and you've always fancied the idea of owning your own business, but you're afraid of it because you don't quite have the business acumen and you'd like some back office support, that's the licensing program that we've slightly mentioned uh, on this broadcast today. Uh, I can tell you a little bit more about that. Just contact me and uh, we'll take it from there. Perfect. Well, as I said, I have had a great time today talking with Dan Bowles of Market Pros Responsive Solutions. I am Deb Creer. 
And to everyone out there, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.